Hello and welcome to the Secure the Bag podcast, where we talk to some of the most successful people from the fields of sport, music, entertainment and more, and discuss how they reached the top of their field and ultimately how they secured the bag. Today's episode we are joined by Liv Cook, a professional football freestyler who currently holds four world records and is a former world champion in her field. Emily, football freestyling does take up a lot of the conversation today. How many kickups can you do? That'd be a big round zero. Um, however, I did find the conversation very, very interesting. She is an incredibly ambitious person and she's super young for what she's achieved. So it really was a topic that I wasn't ex- expecting to enjoy exploring so much, but I think it's a very good listen. Agreed. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for you guys to hear this. And, and we kick things off just by asking her how she got into football freestyling. So I'll let Liv take it away, but enjoy the episode, guys. Yeah, do you know what? For me, there was never a moment where I just decided I wanted to be a freestyler and that was going to be my career. I grew up with two older brothers, so we was always playing football, like out on the streets, in the garden, even in the house at times until we got told off. And I just, I fell in love with football and I wanted to be a professional footballer. That was the dream. But then, and I worked my way up from like grassroots to, you know, one of the top levels and I kept getting a back injury that kept putting me out of football and it was frustrating me so much. And I'm so competitive. Like I hated the idea of taking like six months out to rest my back and then come back and being a bench warmer. I couldn't do that at all. Mm-hmm. It angered me. So whilst I was out injured, I was looking for ways that I can still keep my touch and still improve without pain. So I was like sat down, seeing if I could juggle the ball or stood up just trying to use my head instead of like my whole body. And I guess that's where I started to develop my first few skills. And then I discovered freestyle online and I, I was just blown away. Like I just fell in love with the sport straight away. I was like, whoa, how are they even doing that? How do the legs move like that? How, who was your like first uh, inspiration? Like, was there anyone the way you were like, right, I want to be like them or I want to do what they're doing. I want to do the tricks they're doing. Yeah, it was a girl called Laura Biondo. So it's a funny story. I started, like I said, in my garden doing a few tricks and I did a, I think it was a couple of around the world and I posted the video online and then Nickelodeon somehow found it and they invited me to their competition. And at their competition, Laura was performing. She was like a Nickelodeon ambassador at the time. Um, and I just remember watching her on stage. She was upside down, like, like led on her back, juggling the ball with her feet in the air. I was like, what is going on? I need to learn this. How is she doing this? And so then I went home and just practiced, practiced, practiced and just learned that trick. And now like it's... You, you learn when you get into the sport that that's actually the, one of the first tricks you learn. But at the time, I remember being absolutely mind blown. It's interesting that you had that, um, sorry, they had that, the back injury, but I guess it's because your core needs to be so tight for doing those tricks. Some of the ones I've looked at, like your strength must be so insane to be able to balance it either side. So did it like help like your back or recover at all? Yeah, I mean, well... I'm not sure because there's a lot of movements in freestyle that probably aren't good for the body. Like your your lower back's only meant to do like one plane of movement at time at a time or something yeah. like that. That's what a specialist said. But because I was training freestyle while I had this little back injury, it was actually making it a bit worse. I mean, now it feels fine, but when the time came that my back was healed and I could go back to football, I was just obsessed with this sport. I was watching all Laura's videos. I was even messaging her, asking her for advice and stuff. And I realised then that when the time came that I tried to do both for a while, but like I said, I'm so competitive. I realised 
I needed to choose because I couldn't, you know, be an England star footballer and the best freestyler in the world. So I tried to juggle both and I was just picking up little injuries and I just wasn't progressing as fast as I wanted. So I had to choose really. And everyone was like, I'll stick with football. I think because they could see the career path, they could see like, you know, I was at the top level. I could go forwards with that. But my heart was just more in freestyle. And even though there wasn't a career path or someone that had done it before me, I just went with it. And you can kind of blaze your own trail. But I guess for any uh, anyone competing or anyone learning a skill, the, the world championships are the pinnacle. And I think for even for, for me, like if I was able to compete at a world championships of anything, it'd be um, fantastic. So when when you first go to the world championships uh, of freestyling, like how was that? And talk us through like the highs, obviously a finishing second. And I, and I read that you got injured as well. So just, just talk us through that really. Yeah, so like I said, when I started, I, the passion grew so fast for me. And I think like a year or two into training, I decided I wanted to be the best in the world. And I said I was going to be. I was just obsessed. And then I actually quit like college. Uh, I, I just quit everything in my life and just focused on this and training for this world championships that I'd qualified for in 2016, I believe. Um, and I gave it my all. And it was off. it was in Melbourne in Australia, actually. And about a week before flying out, I started to like limp on my foot. And my mum was like, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I think my brain was just ignoring it. <laughs> it was like, no, no, you're fine. So anyway, I got I got over there and it just got progressively worse, like to the point where I couldn't even walk. I was limping. But I'd, I'd trained for so many years, all day, every day. I'd quit everything in my life and just dedicated everything to this competition. And I knew that my level the way I'd prepared, I'd analysed everyone, analysed myself. I knew I was capable of top four. I knew it. So I was like, there's no way I've spent all this time <laughs> like giving my whole life to it to not compete because of a stupid little foot injury. So it was getting me mad, but I just, you know, iced it, made it a bit numb, dosed up on some painkillers, a bit of adrenaline, caffeine, drinks and stuff. And I just went out there and competed and it was painful, but I think the adrenaline of the competition got me through it. So the semi-finals I ended up facing so yeah I, I got through the group stage and I was smashing it just as I predicted and stuff and I got to the semi-finals so that was it goal achieved for me I'd reached top four that's what I wanted that's where I thought my level was and in the semi-final I faced the same girl from Poland that had knocked me out of my first ever competition so there was that little bit of like oh I can't lose again no no <laughs> so <Bit> of a rival <laughs> exactly exactly so you know I, I Gave that battle everything. I won that. Progressed through to the final. So at this point, I'm like, what am I, 17 years old. I'm in Australia. I've got a lot of pain in my foot, but I've just at least come second in the world. I'm in the final. So my head is absolutely buzzing. I'm bouncing around. I can barely even concentrate. So when it the time came, like 15 minutes later, to walk on the stage for the final, I wasn't focused. I was all over the place. In a good way, though, like I was buzzing. It was so much for me at a young age. And in the final round of that battle, I was facing Melody. Um, there, I put too much pressure on my foot and it went from being, oh, so I'd competed on the stress fracture. Turned out that foot pain was a stress fracture the whole time. And then mm -hmm. in the final, the pressure just made it completely snap. So then it had gone from like a six-week recovery injury, if I'd have just stopped, to like a six-month recovery injury. So... I was gutted, but I was buzzing. I'd just ranked second in the world. I was like, no, I need to celebrate. I, I, 
I'll deal with this broken foot tomorrow. Right now, I've just come second in the world. Like it was beyond what the goal I'd set for myself. Yeah, especially at the age of of, of seventeen and your first world world championship. I guess for for people that don't know how how are these these competitions scored or how are they um, set up? Because I know you said group stage semi final. So do you, are you like in a battle against and do you have judges or is it is there actually scoring? Yeah, so each competition can be laid out differently, but typically there'll be qualifications um, and then you're going to group stages and then to knockouts and then until you get a winner. So kind of like um, street dance in a way and the battles are similar. So it'd be 1v1. So if it was me versus you, we have three 30-second rounds each allowing us to respond to each other. So you'd go for 30, I go for 30, you go, I go, you go, I go. And then the judges, there'll be typically a panel of three or five in world championship judges. Um, and they'll be scoring you on difficulty, execution, creativity, and like responding to each other. Do you have like um, moves like choreographed in your head? Or do you like, do you kind of know what you're going to do each set of them? Or, or are you responding to what the other person's doing? Yeah, I guess you've always got to have the element of your base tricks, your base routines, like play to your own strengths. But then if an opportunity arises, like because I'd done my research, I'd studied everyone else. I knew what their strengths were, what their weaknesses were. So I kind of had a bit of a game plan for each of them. I knew the best tricks kind of thing. So I knew that if I can train that trick and get it better than them, when they do it in the battle, I can then respond with it, but add to it. You kind of like just humiliating them. And I think that's the best strategy that you can take. But unfortunately, obviously, you can't always do every trick everyone else can do because everyone's got their own strengths. Some people go out there with a routine fully planned. Some go out without any plan at all. I'm a bit of both. And are you, are you still competing now? No, I'm not competing. I retired after I won from competing. Not retired. I mean, <laughs> if someone was to come out there and you know, get a bit cocky with it, be like, oh yeah, I'm better than Liv Cook, then I'll, I'll probably feel the need to go back and just show them that I'm still the best. But for now, for now, I'm, I'm working on my other stuff. I've got my commercial career. I'm, I'm busy with other things. I think it's a bigger picture for me now. Yeah, and, and, and you are incredibly busy. I mean, you're, you've got over 700,000 followers on Instagram, 4 million on TikTok. What, why is it you think your, your audiences have grown so quickly and so, so massively? Um, I mean, it's hard to say, really. I, I guess from my perspective, all I can say is that I do, I do try to keep it real. Like, I'm not afraid to show every aspect of me and my life. Like, I'm not a character that people can just follow along with. It's real. Like, on my social, you'll see if I'm in a bad mood, if I'm in a good mood, who my friends are, what I'm doing, um, what my interests are. If I've got a new hobby, then I'll pursue it. And if I'm rubbish at it, you'll see that from the start and you'll see me progress with it. So my social isn't just about my tricks necessarily. Of course, they're a big part of it and I like to constantly be improving them and adapting. And I think that's something as well, staying relevant. So adapting your content and being consistent with it, that's something that I do. Like I'm on social media making content every single day and normally a different style of content for each platform to ensure that it fits it properly. Yeah, I guess you were you were someone that really adopted TikTok early. Um what like what was it was it just something you thought well I could do this and it, it might pay off or did you really see the future of TikTok or was it I mean for me it looks like your like content just fits it perfectly um but yeah talk about TikTok and why and where you think that could go or, or why you did join in the in the first place 
Yeah, in fact, it was actually a friend that joined TikTok before me, um, Ben Black, and he he joined way back when it was musically so before it was called tiktok and he was like oh get on this app live like everyone's getting on it's going to be the next big thing look how many followers i've got already and i was like oh no i don't know they were just on there doing like lip syncing battles i was a bit like oh no not me i'll leave that to you ben thanks but then i think like six months down the line i started to hear the name musically popping up more and more so i thought right this is actually growing now and it's been it's not just been a quick flash and it's gone so i got on it um, I did my research and stuff and I think when it transitioned into TikTok that's when it seemed to elevate and I started to really focus in on it because I saw the stats I saw like it it is something crazy like in the first six months it's done five times the growth that Instagram did in its first six months so if you look at a simple stat like that it it is pretty mind-blowing and it's something that you can't ignore especially in my industry. No, for sure, and, and and I imagine you're you're reaping the benefits now. If if people want to use TikTok creators, they they go on the app and they see that you've got all this engagement and all this following. Um, yeah, I think TikTok commercially isn't where it should be yet. I think if you had four million on Instagram, you would be massive, like in terms of the commercial world, like getting adverts for it and stuff. You could um, demand quite a high sum. Where TikTok's not quite there yet, I think. I feel like the brands are always quite behind on this stuff. So now they're starting to realise, okay, there's a big audience on TikTok and that's the demographic we want. So let's just move over to there. And it's starting slowly, but I I could see it taking over Instagram, definitely. I think brands are always very cautious to get on a new platform. Like we have a lot of clients that are very scared to use TikTok. Like they think there's quite a lot of inappropriate content on there. And it's exactly the same as what people would have thought about Instagram. But it's when there's a younger generation somewhere, like people are a bit freaked out. It's like, what are they going to do? Um, so you really have to professionalize it and and sell that in. So we're definitely going through that process at the moment. Um but yeah, I agree with TikTok. There's such a huge opportunity there. Um, and the content is so much more varied than you get on Instagram, um, which like we see as a huge, huge benefit because you can um, work it into different campaigns and let influencers on there be a, you know, a bit more flexible with what they do. The allowance for engagement with the whole world is insane on TikTok. Like if you launched yeah. a campaign on TikTok, the entries and submissions you're going to get are going to absolutely shatter like instagrams because everyone i feel like on tiktok everyone's a creator or on instagram everyone's just like a spectator yeah and people don't like people are just more open to doing stuff it feels like and being a bit more creative i feel like instagram's very polished it's very serious isn't it whereas and also the thing is with tiktok is it's like the ultimate platform to just put content out because because it's shorter things it's videos like you're right driving ugc is it's, it's possible on there, whereas Instagram, it isn't really because everyone's so worried about how they look on it. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree with you on that point. Do you, I mean, this is for you, for you having, I guess, what's seen as all, all, all this, um, you know, fame and all this success. Like, what what do your friends and, and family make of it all? Like, because I, I, like for me, I'd know if I, if I, if I was in your position and I, I don't claim to know what it's like, but I know my, my friends would always be taking the piss out of me and, uh, you know, making fun of everything I upload. So, I mean, how, what's your relationship like with your, your friends and family about, about all your, your career? Yeah, that's interesting. No one's ever framed it like that. And it's so true. I think with my brothers and my friends, anyone like that that's known me all my life, they kind of just take the mick with it. They just don't really take it as seriously. But then sometimes I think when certain things happen, we're a bit like, whoa, this is actually a bit real. Like It just doesn't <laughs> feel 
real. It doesn't feel like my life. It all feels like, oh, look, these people think like, oh, I'm a little bit famous. That it's it's it is surreal. When you look back and go, wow, this is real. Like, is there anything for you that maybe it was a certain brand or a certain piece of content that got a certain amount of views? What was the moment where you were like, wow? Yeah, I mean, the views have never made me feel famous or anything because anyone can make a video that goes viral you just one of these pages accidentally shares it or something and it can go viral um but i mean there have been occasions where a video has like hit like 80 million on my, my own account and i'm like whoa that's a lot but i think the real moments that i meant were more like being asked to play in soccer aid and then finding right. myself the next like next thing i know i feel like i've blinked and i'm stood next to like Usain Bolt in a press conference thing and I'm like what what's going on here it's just a bit like what how did I end up here then it's it's surreal or like when we're out somewhere and then one person asks for a picture and the next thing you know is like 50 people around you wanting a picture that's the kind of moment I meant and it just doesn't quite feel like it's real what was what was Soccer Aid like because I mean everyone watches Soccer Aid right um it's obviously a great opportunity for for you and and but it's also it must be such a cool experience meeting so many great celebs. Was there was there anyone in particular that you were incredibly starstruck by? Or well, I mean, we've only done the press conference because the game was due for June the sixth, but we've had to postpone it obviously for because mm-hmm. of this current situation. But just doing the press conference itself, I remember being asked to play in soccer. So I've watched it pretty much all my life. Like every time it's been on, I've watched it. It's massive. Everyone watches it, don't they? Yeah, so it's always like Patrick Kilty and goal and Robbie Williams and Yeah. <laughs> I was actually in Costa having a coffee with my manager just catching up um in Media City and he just he just like said, Oh yeah, um Soccer Aid have been in touch. Do you fancy playing this year? I'm like, What? He said it so casually. I like sank into my chair. I think I had a bit of a panic attack and then came back and was like, I can't do it. I can't do that. Soccer aid? It's no, I can't do that. And then I was like, well, I can't say no. I had like a full-on debate with myself. First I was saying no. Then I was like, well, I can't say no. It's Soccer Aid. It's massive. So I just said, yeah, I'm going to, I have to. And then it's probably been one of the best decisions I've made because I'm loving it. The people I'm meeting through it and we're we're only in the press stage. So I'm sure it's going to be an incredible experience. I guess when, when do, do we know when it's going to happen again? Um, we're hoping later on this year. There have been talks of September, but obviously nothing's confirmed yet. God. Is it so? Would it have been Old Old Trafford, right, or Wembley? Yeah, Old Trafford. Wow, walking out there. Are you? Were you? Who were you a fan of growing up? A Man United, yeah. Wow. Yeah, pretty that awesome. Is... So, I was going to say that your even just things like Soccer Aid and 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 you know pushing the boundaries of everything like do you do you see yourself and then you know this is I guess a lot of people say they don't see themselves as this but do you see yourself as like a role model for for young people and, and especially young girls coming through and then looking to make an impact yeah I mean I never aimed to be a role model at the end of the day I just found a passion and went with it and just chased it and tried to be the best at it with more my competitive spirit but I have noticed and like I've recognised the responsibility I have because there is a lot of young people out there following me and looking up to me and like they come up to me in the streets and stuff and they'll be like, Oh my god, oh my god, I can't believe I've met you, like you're my idol, you've you've taught me like I can chase this dream or do this and that means a lot to me, like, because that is the ultimate aim at the end of the day. I don't I don't want all the girls out there to think, Oh yeah, they've got to go and kick a ball or they've got to be a freestyler or they've got to be the best in the world at what they do. But if they can see me doing something that typically 
isn't you know normal like it's it's impressive or it's different and it's brave then i hope that can inspire them to chase their dream it's it's an interesting one because as you say like you don't set out to be a role model but by the nature of i imagine i mean it'd be good to know like what sort i imagine your your following does skew pretty young and and what's like the male female split i think it's like 50 50 across my platforms yeah if I go into my instant message of my direct messages, some of the messages I'm seeing, like people saying one of my videos showed them not to give up or something, because that's one thing that I do. I find that a lot of people always think that I'm like naturally talented or they'll see one of my videos doing my skills and they'll think, oh, she makes that look easy. It must be easy. So then they go out and try it and they fail. So then they think they're like incapable and that I'm just special or something. So that's where I really make a conscious effort to emphasize the point that I'm not naturally gifted I do just work hard work very very hard and that's why I show like if I land a new crazy trick that I've invented the next day I'll typically post all the bloopers that that (laughs) I did to get to that trick because they need to see it like they just think it's just natural and they forget like all the hard work that's gone in and I think when these kids can see that and then they go out and they're failing they'll carry on because they know that it takes like a million fails before you're going to get it. I think that's really important as well for like our younger generation. I think we're all guilty of being so impatient with things. Um, so something like that where like you need proper dedication. Um, I think is I think it's very inspiring to younger people because they don't get to see that very often. Showing them that it's just not all perfect. I think that's, I think you, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you were like, it's, you know, my feed is real. Like you're not just the perfect, you're not just posting perfect tricks with, and you're like, oh, you're not as good as me. You want to bring people up and you want to show them that, that it is possible for anyone. Is there any, like, common misconception of what you do? Or is there is there something that you do that people don't realise? Or is there, what's the biggest misconception about you? Something. Well, I guess it's that, for one. Like, they think that it's just natural, but they don't actually see how much work goes in. Um, but I think another one as well is, yeah, I work physically. Like, I train physically especially when I'm trying to make sure that my level's at top shape, then it'll be like five hours a day physical. But I actually work on the mental side more and my mindset and everything and the theory side of stuff a lot more because I think that's so important. If it, People say in golf, don't they? They say um, it's 80% in your head and 20% skill. And I, mm-hmm. I, I believe that's true with freestyle as well. Like if I am just in a bad mood or I approach a trick thinking I can't do it, I guarantee I can't do it. But if I'm in a good mood and I go to training and I'm telling myself that I'm the best and I get there, I'm gonna have the best session ever, and I do. So how did you how did you come to that? Like how did you find that out? And how do you how do you train on that? Because I mean, I'm I'm sure we're all guilty of just going into stuff without having a clear head. Yeah, I mean, for me, it actually came when in 2016 when I broke my foot um, after finishing second and I was out for them six months. Like I said, it was a hard time because I'd gone from pretty much giving up my whole life for that dream and then I couldn't do it for six months like it was like a blank canvas what could I do the only thing I wanted to do was freestyle so I could be the best in the world and I'd given up everything it's just what can I do with my days and um, I stumbled onto YouTube and started watching some Conor McGregor videos and I just started to watch all of his interviews I think I've seen every single one and I loved his mindset and stuff and then there was one of his videos where he was talking about like the law of attraction and stuff so I just started to look into it and kind of delved into that and studied that a little bit, started 
looking at self-improvement YouTube videos and mindset videos. And then I watch a lot of like documentaries on successful people and they all have something similar. They all have a great mindset and they all believe it. They all know that it starts in your head. So I guess I just adopted that. I think with any crazy goal, especially in sport, your mind has to arrive at that place before you will. Like when I became world champion, I was already world champion in my head. I'd already trained. I was already the best. I just saw it as I'm going to that competition. I'm going onto that stage just to show everyone else and collect what's mine. I know it's already mine. I already saw myself as that. So I guess it's just that, but put into a full life situation. Like I'm looking right now at my bedroom wall has this like picture quote that says excuses don't build empires and then underneath I've got four picture frames of like key things in my life that I feel are the the starting foundations of the empire (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) genuinely I think myself and and M could definitely learn a lot like I just I don't feel like a lot like I'm or I'm probably speaking for you and I'll let you speak but do you, you know, feel like you believe in what you achieve and, and, and actually putting yourself out there? No, I, to an extent, but not in the way that I I hear, like, people who are as successful as you live are, like, doing it. And I think that's a really amazing, like, physical thing to be able to look at every day to really drive yourself. And you're clearly super competitive. It can easily be misinterpreted. Like, people could come into my room or just listen to one thing that I say in my life and think oh, she's full of it, she's full of herself, she's cocky, she's probably not even good kind of thing. But a lot of the time, it's not meant in like a cocky or negative way or even meant in a true way. Sometimes you just got to say it because you'll notice if you just literally tell yourself you're the best, the way you hold yourself, your whole body posture just changes. Mm-hmm. I, don't think, but I, don't, I don't think it comes across arrogant at all. Um, but I mean, on, on that, do you do you get, and I'm sure just because of the nature of social media, you do get quite a bit of, hate unfortunately how is that to deal with or or do you not experience much of it i have friends that have a lot of followers or a big profile whether that's television or social media and i see them getting so much stick but i mean i obviously get it i get it to some extent there'll be some nasty messages here and there but i don't get it as bad as people that are around me for some reason and maybe it's just because Oh, I don't know. I was going to say because I don't give energy to it, but sometimes I do bite. <laughs> it's impossible not to. Yeah, it is. It is, isn't it? My manager probably like is sat there, you know, hating it behind his laptop when he sees me tweet something. But sometimes, you know, you've just got to bite. You've just got to put them in the place. You have to. Well, you can't just let them get away with it. But the, the problem is that's what they want. They want you to bite. I know, but sometimes I just give in. <laughs> Well, it's interesting that you, you know, you said you don't seem to get as much. And I, again, I think that's probably because you're very relatable for a lot of people. And uh, maybe people that get a lot more hate are, you know, more polished and more, or easier to take a swipe at. But I guess when they see that you're, they see your days where you're in a bad mood, they see your days where you, you can't quite do the trick, then, you know. They, I'm not a character, like we said. Sometimes people out there are just showing one aspect and they're not being quite real. And people pick up on that and then they'll target that where they say everything of me. They see the good, the bad, the flaws, the talents, everything. And I think as well, some influencers that are influencing in a certain category haven't actually achieved something of significance in that, if that makes sense. Whereas Mm -hmm. I'm in the football or football freestyling world, 
and I, ha- I like I have or I am the best in the world at what I do so it's kind of harder to knock it like people could go on a fashion stylist video and say oh fashion's rubbish but if she got designer of the year how can they say that you've got the the cred to back it up which is very interesting I, I guess Emma's you know you're obviously more in tune with the with the fashion world I guess fashion is very much opinion based and it does leave itself probably more do, do, do you find all, yeah. online, online people with you know I guess it's an opinion right whereas you know someone like Liv has got that she's got the trophy yeah I guess it's also about captive audience isn't it like who understands it who respects it um it's just the thing like if you're not interested in it then look away from it like no one's, no one's asking you to look at it um but yeah I guess when you've got the trophies like it's, it must be much harder for people to justify what on earth they're saying so you you know you're you're um I guess a great brand ambassador for anyone um you know we've we've put you forward for, for a few things but I know you do some great work with the likes of UEFA and um some other brands I see I seem to see you everywhere is there is there any, any piece of brand work or any brand you love working with is there anything you're particularly proud of when it comes to that yeah, I mean, I absolutely love working with UEFA. I've been with them from the start when the We Play Strong campaign launched. Because like, I came from football, so women's football is a massive thing to me. So to then have the opportunity to align with a campaign focused around that, it was it was literally in my goal book. As soon as they launched the campaign, it was in my goal book that I wanted to be an ambassador. So then that happened. Obviously, I never told them that. <laughs> less money yeah well yeah <laughs> no but um now years later to still be working with them like i do love it and i think there's a lot of ambassador roles out there that you, that people just do for the money or for the exposure but the truth is like i love that work and i stand by that and what we do to the point where if i literally became a billionaire tomorrow i'd still be doing it and i think that's a sign mm-hmm. that you're winning if you'd still do what you do even without any pay yeah, and and I think that's what we try and do. Um, you know, we we want to place ambassadors or and brands. I think they they do genuinely want to place ambassadors that have got a true passion for what they do. Um, is there anything outside of UEFA like that you're particularly proud of? I only ever work on stuff that I believe in now. Like I I am quite busy. I'm doing all right for myself, so I am fortunate now where I'm in a position where if I don't agree with the messaging or something or if I don't feel like it fits me or if it's it just I don't like the sound of it I'm just not going to do it and that's the truth so everyone that I'm aligned with I really like like Grenade absolutely love working with them they're a brand and the team behind it they're honestly that I've never met a team like it I, I was in oh no I can't I nearly I nearly spoiled something we were going to do this year then but I've got a I've got a crazy stunt coming with Grenade. Hopefully, well, we're going to do it this year, but obviously with the current situation, it might end up next year now. But a crazy stunt. Let's just say I'm going to be in the sky with a ball. Wow. Um, yeah, but it was such a passing idea. Like, we were just sat. I was with the CEO and the founder of Grenade, Alan Barrett. And um, it was like, so is there anything crazy you want to do? And I was like, well, yeah, what about this? And the next thing I know, I've got a call. He's like, oh, yeah, I've got one made. It's the first in the world. Um, and we're going to do it in probably Dubai that's so exciting working with brands like that that are just like let's let's do it let's I'm not worry about... about my safety though because we tried to get me insured for the stunt and all the insurance companies rejected it so Alan had to call really? yeah Alan had to call Richard Branson direct to sort it out apparently what to sort out insurance yeah 
Bloody this could be the end of me. Good. This could be the last podcast I do. <laughs> this could be the end of Live Good. <laughs> Make my legacy live on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll have to send that to us, definitely. So, I mean, you, you said you're incredibly busy just from looking at, looking about it. You know, you're you're moving into what I think is a great step from just being, I guess, you know, an, an athlete and, a, and an influencer to really becoming an, an entrepreneur. And, and and looking to own a lot of lot lot of stuff basically. What do you want to talk about? Why, you know, it, you you say you listen to a lot of successful people. Is is business a is business something really big for you and something you really want to go into? Yeah, I've always been interested in entrepreneurship and all that stuff. Like at the same time, I discovered all Conor McGregor's videos. I was also watching all Elon Musk, Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, all them kind of people, Gerard Adams, and. It's always been a massive interest of mine. Uh, I think it's just because growing up in a normal family, I saw my dad had a good job. My mum spent most of the time looking after us. And I did see like a taste for like slightly finer things. And it's fine. Like A lot of people look down on having materialistic aims. Like Even people in the commercial world, they don't like it when somebody is talented in a sport but also is money-driven or financial-driven. But I really don't think it's a negative thing. I think you can gloat about it and it can become negative, but I've always been business driven. And now that I've finally had the funds and the ability or the platform to pursue those goals, I'm I'm doing it. Say your, your, your first big check comes in. Was there anything that you were like, I need to buy that? Or is it like, you know, I don't know, a car? Or was there was there something that you bought that you were like, I wanted that and I bought it? Some Louis V shoes. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I think at first, all the money that I was getting, I was pumping back in um, to like yep. my career in different ways and stuff. And then the first, like, when I got a big check, I was like, right, okay, how am I going to quadruple this? How am I going to double this? How am I going to times this? And I discovered that real estate was the way for me. Um, obviously from watching those of Grant Cardone videos. Do you know who Grant Cardone is? I've seen an interview of him on on YouTube with, with funnily enough, the guy from Wolf Wall Street. Yeah, he's <laughs> massive. He's like an entrepreneur. He's worth so much money. Um, something ridiculous. But he's a real estate investor. That's where he's made all his money. And I just got inspired by him as well. I watched all his videos only then to learn that the real estate market in America is completely different to the UK. So I'd spent like <laughs> 50 hours watching all his videos. And sometimes the, like I think, oh, you've just done an hour long video, Grant. You could have summarized that into 10 minutes. I feel like I was wasting an hour <laughs> of my life. <laughs> like, but that's fine. I get it. He's a bit of an older generation. So I figured, yeah, okay, it makes sense. So he's dragging it out. But no, um, yeah, I got in real estate's the one for me. Really, I'm a big fan of that industry. So you're you own properties in the UK or abroad? Yeah, so I've only just started because it was very hard for me to get into investing, just trying to get like the first mortgage on the properties and stuff. Of course, it it was very hard at a young age. Like they want you typically to be like 21, really, to get any decent deals. Um, but me being, how old are you? Uh, I'm 21 now. I turned 21 like wow. 10 days ago. Nine days ago. That is incredible. And I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to patronise you. I know that might, might come across, but um, the way, like the way you talk and the experiences you've had, like to be 21, that is that's amazing. What, like, what? Where could you be in 10 years? Oh well. Uh, well, the thing is, you, I think you seem very goals driven. So, like, I mean, what what does your next like five years look like? Where, where, what goals have you set yourself? I mean, you don't have to say, obviously. But... No, no, it's fine. Like, I mean, 
I'd love to have my own show. I've I've presented with the BBC now. Like I started that about six months ago. I like presenting. I feel like I've grown in confidence for that. So I'd like my own show. Um, and it can be like I'm so open to so many different things. I have so many interests. So it could be something like going around the world finding urban talents. Or do you have you seen the Karen O'Brady show? I forgot what it's called, but she goes to people and they set like their entrepreneur goals, and then she comes back in a year to see how they've got on. Well, Karen nice. Brady from The Apprentice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I love her. I've not heard of that program. It's really good. So something like that style, or kind of like Jane McDonald goes around on a cruise ship. Um, talking about cruises because that's a thing something like that where I can be me but also present a cool show so I'd like my own show yeah. um, not my own show, it doesn't have to be about me I mean, I just want to host one um, mm-hmm. yeah. I want to grow the real estate investing I mean, I was able to start I think like six months ago now and I've got three properties so yeah. in the next five years grow that to the aim was five but I'm not going to lie to you I think it's doubled now I think the aim's 10. Yeah, well, look, you're already on three, so. Exactly, but we'll see. And then, obviously, the dream, a Lamborghini. A Lamborghini. Wow. What what Lamborghini? What colour? White Hurricane. So may, maybe we'll, we'll revisit in, a, in three, three or four years if we, if we can get hold of you by then. I tell you what, two years, I'll have five properties, a Lamborghini, and I'm not sure about the show because that's out of my hands, isn't it? That's up to oh, the producers. By then, you know, you create your own show. Hey, come on. Don't rely on anyone else. Can you produce it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess for you've, you've managed, you've got this great uh, mindset and you've, you, you know, it sounds like you really know what you want, which is great. And I know I would have probably benefited from knowing a lot more what I wanted when I was growing up. What, like, would you give any advice to, it sounds like you've you've kind of gone along the way and, and been very strong-minded, but say Liv Cook, 16-year-old, starting out, what, what's like the piece of advice that you'd give her now? I, I wouldn't really want to give any advice because I feel like everything that, that she does or will do happens for a reason, even the bad, even the mistakes, they need to be made to learn. So I guess I'd just say, like, get ready. Get ready, kid. It's going to be a hell of a ride. It's going to be awesome and just... Stay smiling, <laughs> trust the process because it'll all pay off. That's great. And um, I guess we, we, we've touched on it throughout the show, but women's football, um, obviously in the last, I'd say, it's been obviously growing in the last five years, but it really in the last two or three, it's had a real shot in the arm. And how, how do you feel about that? You know, you're... I imagine you've been you you you've been involved in in pushing pushing the sport quite a lot. How how good has it been to see that growth, and where do you actually think it could go? Yeah, I mean the game has been growing so much, and it's so amazing to see. Like I'm fortunate enough to have come from women's football in my career sense, and now to be working to positively impact it and work to grow the game. Like it it is something I do work very hard at, and I'm very passionate about. And day in day out to see the work that certain people are doing behind the scenes, like in organisations like We Play Strong and UEFA, um, it it's inspiring, like, because I know how much they give to it and how much they care about it. And then them, half of them themselves aren't even footballers. And the passion for it is, like, amazing. Like, it's so good to see. And, and now I'm friends with quite a lot of the players, especially in the UK or in France. So to now see that they're able to live off this because I know how hard they've worked for like a decade. So to now be in a position where they're living off it 
fairly comfortably, I think is well deserved. Um, but that being said, I think the game's got a long way to go. It's nowhere near where it should be, um, especially because of their retirement phase. Like they're doing all right now, but when they retire, have they have they earned enough to live off it? No, I don't think so. And it's not like the men's, but. I mean, it's improvement. I think the Euros in 2021 would have been amazing for the women's game. Um, but I guess we just wait now to 2022 and hopefully England can do well and I'm sure that'll shoot the game up. Mm. No, yeah, and I think even the the, the World Cup, uh, was it 2019? 20, yeah, 2019, wasn't it? The World Cup was, it was, a, it was a watershed moment. I think like it was the first time for me that it felt like it went truly mainstream. People have always talked about women's football being, you know, it's great. It's it's really rising. You know, you've got the Super League, which is great. Um, you know, Super League clubs starting to play at the, the 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 main grounds. But the World Cup, you know, the, the the viewers they were driving on on BBC was right up there with with some of the men's games. So and even in Brazil, um, I think the women's game broke broke a record for football as a whole, which blew my mind. Mm. Yeah, no, it was amazing. And obviously, I was out there with UEFA at the World Cup. And just walking around, seeing everyone there to watch women's games, it was amazing. Yeah, and and, and in in America, the, the the women the women's team are much more popular than the men. They're much they're much more famous. They're, you know, people like Megan Rapinoe and uh, Julia. So yeah, um, and they're fighting hard for the the rights and the Equal Pay Act. So no, I think I think the game's heading in the right direction. I just hope this pandemic in this current situation isn't going to negatively impact that because I'm seeing quite a lot of grassroots teams that are around me folding the women's clubs already sorry the grassroots teams are folding but then also the women's clubs attached to professional clubs like Fylde mm-hmm. or Preston they're, they're folding the women's teams it feels like they're the first to go which is a bit heartbreaking especially when it's the teams that I grew up with yeah no it, it's this is going to test club I think it's going to test the men's teams as well you know the if you're out, if you're outside the Premier League, outside maybe the Championship, then you're you're in real. Um, you're probably going to be in real trouble just because of they live off people going to watch football, and, and unfortunately that is just not going to be possible in the next for what looks like six months. Um, I agree, but, but hopefully it can all be rebuilt afterwards. Like the economy is going to sink a bit, but I think there should be a good surge afterwards. I think people will also really want to support local more than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, just finish off with, um, I guess what we've we've talked all we've talked to death about your career and everything you love doing professionally. But is there anything you you know you when you switch off or do you switch off? How do you switch off? What do you like doing in your spare time? Like what live cook outside? I know you said you're not a character, but live cook outside of the professional. What what is it you love doing, and do you do enough of it? Well, that's a hard one. I feel like everything that I do is normally beneficial to my career. That is like my interests, just progress. That is what inspires me, what motivates me. Of course, I have a social life. I have friends outside of it. Um, I think since moving to Manchester, um, into this new place, I have spent more time doing those regular things. Like, because I, I am bad. I'm bad at doing stuff that doesn't benefit me in terms of my <laughs> progress in my career. I just find it difficult to go out of my way to spend time for something that's not going to benefit me. Like, I'm a bit sad like that. But I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at it. That's why you've got to where you are, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Well, yeah. And it shows, I think, for me, 
the reason I think you know a lot of influencers, as you said earlier, don't have. I don't think they've got a long shelf life. They don't. I don't think they're they're actually going to last. Whereas you've got a real talent and you've got genuine passion, and I think you've got that as a base, which means you're never, you're always adapt and grow and whatever social has in store. I think you you're going to be in a great place. Whereas I think some people that are, you know, they might be flavor of the month this month. They'll go off and and they might have the talent that we all like this month, but they'll be gone. Whereas you've got that real steady base and you've got a great mindset. So I think you're going to be you know, on our screens, whether that be phone or, or TV for the next... Or that own yeah. show. There you go, yeah, look. No, but, like, that that does mean a lot hearing that. I think that is obviously a worry of a lot of people in the industry. How long is it going to last kind of thing? And that's probably a reason mm. subconsciously... No, that's that's not... I was going to say subconsciously why I've started investing to build the wealth long-term rather than just... Mm-hmm. But that, it, honestly, it's never been a worry of mine. Of course, that's something good to tell my mum, like, when my mum's like, oh, how long is this going to last, though? Because... You know what they're like. I'm like, yeah, but she's like, well, what if you lose that contract next year? How are you going to live? Like, because you've took on an assistant, you've took on like a nice flat. How are you going to pay for it all? And I'm like, I don't worry about it, mum. It'd be fine. Like, if the unfortunate (laughs) occasion came where I did lose one of my contracts, I'm only on two contracts. So if I lost both of them, I, I have no worry because I know everything that I do is true to me. And I know the right partner would align at the right time. Like, I, I just believe in how hard I work and the fact that I'm true to what I'm passionate about. So I know that it, everything for a reason, really. Yeah, and I don't think you'll you'll be struggling for brands queuing up, really. For like, I just think the... the I am quite fussy. <laughs> no, I exactly. But I mean, if it ever got to that, I think you could... Brands like working hard for the right talent, I find. Oh, really? So, yeah, for sure. Like the harder... We always find that like the best influencers and talent for us are people that reject the most deals because it means they're the most aligned with what they actually believe in, what they want to talk about. Um, and I feel brands appreciate that as well. Well, it's true. I've never signed with a sports brand or a clothing brand yet. Um, the right one has not come up. The right offer hasn't come up. I've had a few of the top ones make an offer, but yeah. if if it doesn't feel right, then I'm, I'm not going to do it. Especially with that kind of brand, because once you go down one route, then the other's You've kind of tainted that forever, really, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, but no, thanks so much for 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 a chat. I, I definitely think that this will be very insightful for people that that know you or people that don't know you, even just to to kind of get an insight as to your your thinking, especially um, and and how you've kind of got to where you are. Um, but where 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 can people find you? Where can people? Hopefully on the TV. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> I had to get that in there one last time. Now, social media, Live Cook. I'm on pretty much every platform, and you'll see me posting daily content. You will, and and yeah, like some of the some of the tricks are insane. Um, and I, I I think I'm one of those people that have probably tried it and given up. So um, <laughs> maybe I'll get my Lou roll out. <laughs> oh, don't bring that back. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. And if you are not subscribed, make sure you do hit that subscribe button. And if you are a subscriber, then, you know, thanks. You're you're part of the Law family. So uh, we'll be back soon with uh, another great guest, I'm sure.